Welcome to Sonic Talk number 210. Just checking that the video's going this week. Had all sorts of technical problems in the last couple, but I think I'm back up to speed. After a week of messing around with drives and reinstalls and stuff, I think I might be back online. So hopefully that all that technical stuff is uh, over and done with. We've got a big crap, uh, a big crew this week. Lots and lots of people. Um, so uh, I'm very pleased to announce. And we've also got a new sponsor. I want to say that Sonic Talk is brought to you by the wonderful Isotope. And uh, this week they will be telling you a little bit about... RX, but more on that later. So, uh, first of all, I think uh, we're going to have to go to Gaz because Gaz is all dressed up. Gaz is there, um, fresh from he's been, basically this week he did a gig with Carl Hyde just this afternoon. In fact, on Radio Six, I heard the last uh, installation of it. It was really good, actually. And um, they're all the, he's with the band at a undisclosed location in London, uh, being dressed up and messing around. There's all sorts of hijinks going on. He looks a bit like a clown at the moment. How are you, Gaz? When he said they were going to be respectful, you know, it's just, it's like, it's just respectful, you know. Ah, oh, it. Well, so, anyway, yeah, Ga- well, anyway, Gaz, it's uh, good to have you. The tour's going well, I take it. You're all in high uh, spirits. Uh, yeah, I'm really sorry. I thought it was going to be very serious. Uh, yeah, we've just done a live radio show today. So um, this, is the, this is apparently what happens afterwards. Uh, <laughs> Just wait. Just wait till it's one of their turns to have an interview. Then you can I get know, them back. I know. I was thinking, oh, I'll be really cool coming on the show and uh, mm, yeah, undermine somewhat. So yes, I think. Yeah, that, was- I, I think if they'd stop with the wig and the first hat, that would have actually been pretty good. Now, now, I, it, it's it, it's because of the quality of the video. I can't quite tell what's going. Oh no, there's more stuff going on. It's like I'll tell you what. You're a bit like um, what's that um game where you have to put lots of things on a horse until it sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Buckaroo. Buckaroo, yeah. It's the Gaz yeah. version of Buckaroo. Anyway, Gaz, of course, Gaz Williams, uh, Gaz Goldstore is um, touring with Car Hyde Project at the moment, have been uh, like fresh fresh off the radio, national radio. I heard a track this afternoon. It sounded really good. In fact, because uh, Dave yeah. Spears sent me an email saying, he's on at 12. I got it at half past, so I only caught the last track. Um, <laughs> no, it's going, it is going really well. I mean, we've just come back from, we've just had a little European tour, and prior to that, we were over in Japan for a couple of dates. And um, it's going really, really well. I mean, it's going a lot better than than we thought it would. We thought it was expected. Okay, but... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Rehearsal's that bad, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but it really is going down amazing. And, and, and it's funny that the shows are going down. There's a similar kind of progression where it, it, uh, some of Carl's album is very laid back. It's very kind of, some of it's very ambient, some of it's very kind of quite minimal. And, um, and it's sort of just, and, and, the, and the set sort of builds as it goes along, and uh, the audience really kind of move with it, and, and, and it's terrific, actually. The response to uh, it's been amazing. Everybody's really delighted, really, how it's all going. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Gaz. And um, I, I, you'll have to probably wing it on the uh, podcast uh, topics, because I'm sure rather than um, swatting up, you've probably been playing a gig <laughs> so or in transit so but we're, we're very pleased to have you along and uh, very pleased that you managed to make it so right and we've also got um uh, probably the man with the most expensive backdrop on the show for a while this is mike grieg Mizzou. i don't know if i've got your lower third i'm sorry mike you you took me by surprise so if you could hold up a piece of paper or something <laughs> mike, mike 
Actually, that lower third will change now because I'm still doing a little bit for Mazaru, but um, I'm now set up post now as the general manager at SSR in London, at Camden. And this is our main studio, our Neve studio, and that's where I'm sitting in today. So I thought we'd let our viewers have a little look at the, the Neve VR. Nice. Um, nice to see a pair again. of NS10s there as well. Oh, of course, yes. We've got, we've got some lovely monitoring in here. Actually, I could tell you a little, tiny little nugget of history about this desk. Um, it belonged to the Cure. Ah. And actually, in the corner, if I go back, um, you can see a little Struder tape machine there. Uh, old school. Old school tape machine. Again, that was the, uh, the Cures as well. Actually, this room was where they used to make pianos, and the pianos used to be hung upside down here and strung. So it's got a little bit of history there as well. It's quite nice. Some great resonances. Sorry, I have to excuse the gag there. Um, of course, <laughs> Mike is from SSR, are, um, a kind of online and physical uh, education facility that specialise in post-production, music technology, creation, composition, that kind of thing, recording, that's, would it be fair to say? Yeah, that's right. We're, a, we're an avid pro school as well. And we also have, we have got centres based in Manchester and London. We've also got Jakarta, Singapore and soon to be Thailand as well. So um, nice. a lot of really good stuff for what happens. So you got any visits? You have to, I've got to go to Jakarta to uh, check that the installation has gone okay kind of visits I, coming up. I think that's a great idea and I'll definitely go with you on that <laughs> one. Yeah, <laughs> be superb. Anyway, thank you very much for joining us, Mike. I will get your lower third sorted out for next time. Uh, and it's good to have you. It's been a while, actually. Um, and so we've there's more. There are more people. We've got uh, Rich Hilton over there in uh, Connecticut. Uh, I will just, if he speaks, he will leap into the correct box and I can uh, label him accordingly. How yes, are you doing, perhaps, Rich? Perhaps you can help me with my middle third. Your middle third? Yeah, yes. I, I'm, having trouble my with my, third. I'm having trouble with my middle third as well, actually. I've, uh, yeah, I've, um, I've been filming and I, it's, it's protruding much more than I care to uh, care for it to. Rich Hilton, of course, um, uh, sound guy, uh, man's the controls for uh, Noel Rogers' private studio and also a member of the band Chic. How are you doing, Rich? Good, thank you. Very well. Have you been? Have you? You've been resident for the last week because last time we spoke, you just got back from a lot of uh, trips. Are you kind of still still on the road, or are you just back working? No, we're home for a month, um, <laughs> and then we make a brief foray to the Caribbean and back. And uh, it's a lot of down and backers for a while. Ah, some right. of them to the UK, by the way. Ah, well, maybe we'll get to see you sometime. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. I'm going to whip through this because I'm going to try and uh, introduce everybody so we can get on with the show. Because I, uh, uh, Dave Spears. Make yourself known. Oh, hello. Sorry. Dave Spears I did, is... I didn't um, mute oh, myself. Hello, mute. Dave. There you are. Dave's uh, um, in, in, uh, looking rather cramped. You look like you're wedged between an OB and a... Um, and a uh, what's that over there? Some sort this, of mo- this is a Minute Moog, which sounds like a Mini Moog, but it's not. It's, it's like a Moog satellite on steroids. It's a Pro DGX, and that's a little white face odyssey. Ah, okay. So, not well. But, not nice to have you aboard, um, of course, Dave. I mean, uh, that you are going to feature in one of our topics. I know you're hiding for the big reveal, but I won't yeah. say any more. Okay. Oh, you've turned <laughs> into gas. That's the thing. With, with, so, <laughs> now that's scary. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a sudden juxtaposition, a juxtaposition too far. And of course, we got Master Mark Tinley uh, over there in Bedfordshire. How are you, Mark? If you make yourself known, I can attempt to find out where you will be on the screen, and we can Hello. see. Hello. Ah, have you got notes this week? Have you written Bedfordshire down somewhere? <laughs> no, I just seem to. I I, I think I've got Excellent. in the flow. 
got in the flow yeah. of it finally. Mark Chin- I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Mark Chinley, of course, um, sound artist, creative thinker, uh, also member of the uh, TV Mania supergroup, which is uh, sweeping the nation. How's that all going? Oh, all very good. Yeah, the franchise thing's going to happen pretty soon, I think. So that's yeah. the project with Warren Cucurullo and Nick Rhodes and ah, oh, I forget the name of the other chap. What was his name? We interviewed him now. And- Anthony, Anthony J. Rester, that's right, yeah. Well, oh, I'm hey, glad that's all going. So you're hey, going to be getting uh, getting people sort of uh, chipping in and starting to do remixes and what have you. That's what I'm hoping, yeah. That'll be really exciting, actually. I've uh, decided Gaz looks like Sun Ra or George Clinton, but I can't Oh, yeah, a combination, it. I think. A combination <laughs> of the two. Between, yeah, the, the, the British, or is he Welsh? Welsh, yeah, Sun Clinton. <laughs> George yeah, Ra. George Ra. <laughs> Sun Clinton. He could, if he was Sun Clinton, he could be the kind of long-lost love child of uh, Bill. and there he is he's back again in his sort of all over the place right let's get to the first uh topic um this is the this is it sent in for you uh, by by mark actually and this was an awesome piece of uh footage it's a beaut- it's got a very um, Dutch Masters composition. I like the framing of it. This is by a chap called, I, I'm, and excuse me if I don't pronounce it correctly, Wouter van Veldhoven. I'm guessing he's Dutch. Uh, and this is four tape recorders, uh, techniques for minimal, well, four tape recorder techniques for minimal techno, tape loop system. This is the tape recorder on the top right. A long delay, which is two recorders, top left and middle right. And a reverse delay, which is bottom middle, tape feedback. Apparently the Tascam 8-track is not doing anything, which you'll see in a minute perhaps and it's uh, except being rather expensive table for two other recorders there are a hell of a lot of analog tape recorders here and uh, this is old school sort of uh, way of composition uh, very uh, it does uh, i guess there's a modular that's like a eurorack modular that's probably generating a few things so i'm guessing the tapes will be measured it looks kind of like a lot of fun and uh, mark you got terribly excited by this so i'm guessing you're going to have to come in first because uh, i want to know if you've ever tried doing anything like that um, have I tried doing anything like that? Um, probably not on that scale. No, I it's an impressive scale. And to think that, I mean, they used to do this kind of thing all the time in the small rooms in the bowels of the BBC, didn't they? Yes. I mean, I have. I did fly backing vocals in off a one-inch, um, you know, like we did the backing vocals on the 24-track and then we bounced it down to a one-inch master and then we flew the backing vocals back in live off a one-inch Real to real because we didn't have a sampler. This was in like the eighties, and we didn't have a sampler that was anywhere near capable of um, playing back that length of kind of audio. And that was well fun actually because we had this huge tape loop, but we had like a chinograph mark on it, and then we had to line everything up and guess when the chinograph mark goes past there. This is when we're going to like drop in, and then we kind of you know trying to line the twenty four get the twenty four track machine to sort of chase the tape loop because that was easier than the other way around. Well, it's no wonder that albums were so expensive to record back in the day, isn't it? When you're on a studio of an hourly rate of you know seventy plus oh, quid an hour, and you're yes, exactly. messing around chopping tape up, and no, oh no, no, didn't work out. We'll have to do that one again. I mean, just an, an enormous amount of work. I mean, it took all day to just to stack the vocals on the 24-track reel-to-reel to just, like, go in and do another take and another take and another take. And in Pro Tools, you'd just loop it and you'd get the singer to stand there and you'd just go round and round and round and round until you'd got, you know, 20-odd takes and then you'd kind of, you know, a bit of auto-tune and that'll do. And It, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have the around. same emotional investment, though, does it? Or financial investment, frankly, because, I mean, that's going to take hours to, to set up. 
I mean, I suppose what grabbed me about this was it looked a little bit more amateur than that, and it looked like, and Nick and I used to collect reel-to-reel tape machines. I'd buy them at boot fairs and bring them to the studio and go, look what I've got. <laughs> and then we'd sit there for ages playing around with it, and sort of there were a few of them in the uh, Sphere production room. So and and all kind of low endy kind of seven and a half IPS quarter inch um, two track or four track even because they're stereo back and forth and that, and you know they're all a bit noisy with those weird green um, you know those green oh, valves yeah I know that's the valve things the, the indicator valves yeah it'd be great sort of thing just to have a few of them just going round and round forever um Mike Grieg are you actually do you teach the, any of these techniques in your facility? Uh, have you got any? Yeah, I noticed you did have a tape machine back there, and I'm, I'm assuming it must get switched on from time to time. Is it uh, something that is uh, part of a course module for you? Um, they do teach a lot of tape techniques. Um, in the phase three, we, we try to get the students involved in using the Neve and um, using the two-inch tape back there as well. Um, there's not so much those types of techniques are taught here at SSR. It's a little bit more traditional recording techniques. But actually, the the place that I was teaching at before, up in Teesside University, they had a, um, a sonic art module, electro electroacoustic composition module. Um, and I mentioned there was someone mentioned in the the chat box a little bit earlier there about Delia Derbyshire as well, um, who had used tape loops, you know, quite rightly so, decades ago. Um, there was techniques taught up in Middlesbrough um, using u- using tapes and things, focusing a little bit more on a, more of a music concrete type of vibe right, rather okay. than than techno. But I really like what this guy's done. I think I think it's absolutely fantastic. Great fun, really good. Great fun. And I know, Rich, you kind of studied electronic music. So I mean, did tape techniques figure in any of your coursework at the time? I mean, you presumably must know how trick it is to set this up do you you have to kind of like set the measurements right so the loop is exactly the right time or do you start with master loop and then hopefully that'll provide your pulse i mean what would you do i don't know because i've never done it well i've used tape in a whole lot of different ways and uh i first of all uh this guy's video i really enjoyed and i really admired the sort of adventurous spirit he brought to it and i particularly liked the tape machine that would re- reverse itself every couple of seconds. So it would go forward for a little bit, and then it would go backward for a little bit, and it would go forward for a little bit. And it, uh, as a processor, it did a lot of really cool stuff and created its own sort of periodicity by doing it in, on, in a regular time. And um, as for myself, uh, tape machines began in the 1960s when my father brought home a little Concord reel-to-reel that I used to record things to all the time. And then next it was a Sony with Sound on Sound where we were miking the other mic and singing overdubs with it. And um, and then what Mark was talking about, I used to fly things into multi-track from two-track all the time. And I got to be pretty good at it. Uh, I fancied myself kind of a sharpshooter. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Actually, I, it reminds me, do you remember um, during the 80s and 90s when DJing was starting to kind of grow, there in Eastern Europe, a lot of the DJs would spin in off reel. They'd only have reel-to-reels or cassettes, so they'd have a, two reel-to-reels and they'd spin. They'd mix between them in that way. So, I mean, getting the timing absolutely right. But, I mean, again, with the machines that you'd be using, you'd have instant start, I guess, so it's a lot easier to spin in, or did you have to let them get up to speed so that they'd be bang on time well they purport to have instant start but inertia being what it is and the physics of motion being what it is 
it's no, there's no such thing as instant start. It's how instant is it, you know, and where yes. do you actually have to get it in order to get it in time at the right moment when you need it. It's funny, isn't it, as well? There's been an awful lot of uh, recently. I mean, there was a whole phase of people taking drums, uh, working with Pro Tools, and then laying them off to one-inch eight-tracks and then putting them back in again and just sort of using tape saturation as more effect. And, in fact, there have been you know, a, a variety of expensive esoteric sounds-like tape boxes coming on. I know, Gaz, uh, if I can maintain a straight face while we talk about this, I mean, you do a lot of recording. I mean, and you, you, um, didn't, didn't you do some stuff live to tape and kind of like the... You know, well, I, when I first... I, I did train as an engineer and on tape, and my, my early studio uh, experience was all tape-based. So I've got a reasonable amount of tape experience. But uh, the thing... Well, there's a couple of things I thought that... Uh, regarding tape that's been in my mind recently. One is um, I'm very close to getting an o- a teenage engineer in OP1. And the reason I, I was playing one when I was in Germany and um, uh, and they've got the tape mode on that. And what's really nice about that is I, I don't know any other device that does it. it. It simulates like a kind of tape machine and you can kind of, uh, I, you know, that little synthesizer thing. and But just the process where you can kind of uh, you can record to little pieces of tape, and then you can uh, you can drop in and you can run the tape at any speed you like. Um, I think that sort of stuff is quite interesting because it's not just emulating the the sound of tape; it's actually emulating the way that you can edit with tape as a, on a digital device. So that, that that's uh, that that. That's quite cool. There's a new update as well of the operating system coming out for that. I, I believe, believe so. I, the only thing I managed to find so far is this image here, which is just uh, an OP1 in somebody's back pocket, and there isn't a tape right. on this. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. You might be able to just see that in the bottom corner. Right. Uh, well, the... it's just, it's, as I say, you know, it's just that I have not seen anything in the digital realm that actually emulates working with tape. Because you've go. got the, like these kind of virtual reel to reels, and then you can kind of uh, you can kind of cut and splice in a virtual sort of sense. But um, the other thing that oh no, the other thing that uh, <laughs> the other thing that I think looks really interesting is the new um, uh, the new plugin coming from uh, UED. Satin. Yeah, the satin. We covered satin. that in uh, <gasps> at the Mesa. Actually, that's really nice. You covered it that. Does, it that sounds looks- great. Fantastic! I've got to be honest. I, I that really does look good as a sort of tape emulation, especially the fact that. Sorry about this. Um, <laughs> the fact that you can, you know, have the groups running into it. Um, uh, <laughs> what is that? I'm oh, not sure that is. Ah. It's a little butterfly. Oh, butterflies. that's nice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but actual tape machines themselves, I came very close to sort of buying one a couple of years ago, but um, I, got to, I, got, I got turned off it because somebody was reminding me about just the sheer amount of maintenance that you have to do to, yeah. you know, the, 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 the aligning the tape, you know, keeping the heads clean and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, mean, ca- I remember because I remember yeah. we used to have a, a Fostex R8, uh, which we used to transfer two, two inch down to for remixing, and then we got a G16. I'll never forget actually lugging the G16 up and down steps and finding the looms and all that kind of thing. But even that, you know, I mean, that was a very modern one, and it had lots of uh, auto-sensing stuff. And But, yeah, all the kind of stuff with cotton buds and what have you. It was very uh, – I liked the ritual of it to a degree, but sometimes when he wanted to just get on with it, it, it was quite a hindrance. It meant you had to start even earlier, but, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, I wondered, though, with that teenage engineering thing, whether there could actually be a, a market for just, like, a – digital reel to reel you know like with fake you know but 
because of the process, because of that, you know. Mm. So I, maybe so. Maybe so. I know Dave Spears, I'm guessing you might kind of uh, actually be thinking about, you've got room for some analogue tape in your, you know, your, 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 your whole place is full of analogue electronics. Surely now um, you just need to get some massive tape loops just going round and round, like a sort of train set about, about the place. Be nice. We've already got an abundance of tape in the Chamberlain stuff, which actually is quite amazing. There's one drum machine that we think, you know, kind of emanates from the 50s. And it's a one-inch, 16-track piece of tape. And you literally pull the kind of tape head across the tracks. And yet what's weird is, obviously, it's a uniform length, but all the drum tracks are different tempos, and yet they all work. And we're like, how did they do that? How did you do that? But I love tape. In fact, we had a G- I had a G16 a million years ago. That was, And I was trying to work out how much we paid for that. It was something like 6,000 quid back oh, in like, no, the early no, 90s, I, wasn't no, it? No, because I, I had a G16. I had a G16S, and I bought that new, and it was about two grand, 1,800 quid. And that, that it had the remote. I remember you had, you, had, you had this remote cable that you could pull out, and so you had the power mm. elsewhere. But, uh, we had some MIDI interface on it. never figured out how to make it work. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that being a bit problematic. <laughs> but yeah, no, love this, enjoyed this. I love love all this kind of esoteric stuff, and particularly, you know, anything that dates back a few millennium, I'm completely fine with. Yeah, good stuff. So if you want to check out more, he's got some other interesting videos, obviously a bit of an installation, mechanical kind of chap, does a, a lot of that kind of thing. So uh, do check him out. Uh, that His name is Ruta van Veldoven. I think I pronounced that correctly. Well, I'm making an assumption. I probably haven't at all. Uh, right, what's next? Well, what's next is there's a brand new British synth. This is kind of unusual um, in the fact that uh, we don't often get brand new British synths. Uh, I think first, though, I'll probably uh, should do our ad from um, the lovely sponsors, Isotope. And they are uh, sponsoring the show. And with, basically, this week, we're going to sh- tell you a little bit about RX2. You're probably familiar about RX. I mean, RX is kind of one of the most complete professional denoising, decrackling, declicking, spectral repair, remove harm. I mean, if you've got audio work with audio, it's certainly in post or anything, you probably need this in your life. And if you haven't had the chance to check it out, it's got some amazing features. Spectrogram, spectral rebuild. You can kind of replace audio that's not there by analysing either side of it. It's absolutely astonishing. Um, RX2 is complete audio repair suite. Uh, remove noise, hiss, buzz, hum, eliminate clicks and crackle, restore clipped audio, which is really useful. Uh, it works with an image of your sound. You get very fast results and a very interesting uh, workflow as well because it's so visual. You can kind of access parts of sound that... You know, you think, oh, that's what it looks like. You can lasso it and then turn it down. I mean, amazing. So download a free 10-day demo of Isotope RX at isotope.com forward slash RX. And once again, we thank Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. It's good to have a new sponsor. So once again, isotope.com forward slash RX, 10-day free demo of Isotope RX. Right, and this next piece is, yes, the British synth. This is the UK-built analogue monosynth, which is the synth restore company called the Aurora AR57. Neither of them are particularly snappy names, but it looks quite amazing, actually. It looks a bit like a sort of Profit 5 mono. Uh, There's three three analogue oscillators, trisaw pulse, two subs, lower and high-pass ladder filter, uh, ADSR, VCO. And there's not much else going on apart from it's a two-month waiting list. It's sort of built to order. It's going to be about a grand. I've got a couple of, um, I think we've got a couple of 
songs here that we might be able to play. Oh, I need to plug this in. Oh, I, had my, I had my phone actually plugged in because uh, what happened was is I went to a concert last week, which I'll tell you a little bit about when I get the opportunity. So this is uh, one demo. There's various other demos going on, but it's quite a sort of basic amount of information. I know, Dave, you're, the, you're in massive synth acquisition mode. I mean, it's not often we get a new synthesizer of this colour. I mean, it's going to be about a grand, obviously. You know, I mean, hand-built bespoke electronics are not cheap, obviously. But uh, have you heard anything more about this other than just the, that holding page? Uh, no, not really. Not until... Actually, I spoke to Kent about uh, an hour before we came on. Yeah, and he said that he thinks it may have been around in some guys for a little while, but perhaps this is the first production. Anyway, there was a lot of speculation, so I probably shouldn't go into that. It's interesting, it's really interesting, but honestly, I would have to hear more than the demos that are on offer, and I'd have to see it. And I'm not entirely sure that I'm comfortable with pod wheels being in that position. But, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm always open to a new interesting synth. So yeah, you know, kind of wish them luck. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, an interesting time to bring out something that is, you know, so bespoke and custom when we've got, obviously, the MS-20 Mini, which is over there uh, on the uh, on the stand. I'm just trying to uh, uh, finish the review of that. And also, you know, got Mini Brute, got all these other things that have got a bit of character too. I mean, it, it makes me wonder, you know, what is the motivation for making a synthesizer? Because it seems like now that the most, you know, it's all down to cost. It seems to be the the main factor rather than it can do this, it can do that. It's sort of more like what can I squeeze in for the cheapest possible amount? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's kind of been the same with everything. I suppose it's always the same. It's nothing particularly unusual, unusual there. But, I mean, a new synthesizer is always exciting to, to get. I mean, anybody interested in this gas? Um, I don't know if you... Now, you're, if you're going to get an OP1, not attempted by <laughs> yeah. anything analogue? Um, well, I think it's so interesting, isn't it, that they're finally, since manufacturers are responding to sort of, uh, uh, to uh, demand, you know, that pe- this is what people want, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and, you know, and the market's really filling up. I mean, presumably you talked about the, uh, the Korg Volkers last week. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, again, exciting stuff. Um, this looks nicer, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it looks kind of comparable with a, a mini, with a mini uh, Moog Moog. Yes, yeah, so it? it's so got a couple done. of extra oscillators, obviously, um, two mm. subs. Um, H- a, uh, sorry, yeah. HNT, yeah. HNTY in the chat room says, uh, the guy who builds these synths builds replacement circuit boards for ARPs and Moogs, so he knows his stuff. Wow. Well, I mean, it does look nice, though. I mean, it looks like it's got all the kind of classic elements. Has it got MIDI in it, then? I, I didn't notice that. I know. I think the whole thing is going to be, you know, the idea is it's just performance-based. And this is the right. thing that, that kind of gets me. All these people are sort of saying, you know, these new analogs, says, yeah, great, but, you know, it really needs to have programs in these days. You know, it needs to have um, memories in this day and age. And it just seems to me that that's just missing the point mm-hmm. of, of this kind of stuff, yeah. to a degree. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, because the Mini Brute, you know, I've had a play on one now, finally, and I was really impressed with it. And... And it's funny for me. It's almost the lack of programs makes me like it. Yeah. Kind of make it more in a way, and you know, so so almost going between presets means you have to reach to it and you have to flick a control as fast as you can to change presets, and uh, you know, it becomes a bit more like a real instrument in that respect. You know, like a, like a violin, for instance, doesn't have presets, so you know, I 
Uh, yeah, I wonder, I mean, it's it, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? The idea that you know you release an electronic instrument that requires time and effort to learn. I mean, just you know, at the moment, mm. that's something that a people don't have much time. And um, given the sort of t- the six second rule in movies, you know, have we got actually the attention span to learn this kind <laughs> of stuff? I mean, Rich yeah. Hilton, you're lucky in the fact that you know you learnt a Moog, you know it inside out, you had the time, and you know that it, it arrived at a time when you would prepared to put that kind of effort in would you do the same now with a, a new instrument electronic instrument do you think sure if it interested me um but getting back to the synthesizer at hand uh i have to question five sound sources one envelope generator and one lfo yeah that's so oh, maybe one of the oscillators will double up i mean that would be nice if it did wouldn't it but um, I just thought that was kind of odd to have one envelope generator and a synth with that many sound sources. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, because there comes a point when you stack that many oscillators up, it it doesn't really kind of do much more than some clever, you know, some clever EQ. Well, no, you can make the oscillators sound great, but it just at the expense of having one envelope generator running both my amplifier and my filter. Uh-uh. Ah. Give, give me two sound sources and two envelope generators and I'm a much happier guy. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that I've, now I've been working with the MS-20 Mini. You know, it's like I've got it all out and I've been playing with it and I've been thinking, you know what? There is just It reminds me of how many irritating things there were about the original MS-20 that I really wish they'd included. So it's, it's a carbon copy of a, a synthesizer with a couple of limitations that I found, you know, quite annoying. But they Like what? No pulse width modulation. No ability to access uh, individual oscillators in terms of modulation, pitch modulation. You know, th- th- there's a whole bunch of stuff, really. I mean, and th- you can figure out ways it's to do. Not things. a modular rig, no. No, it's but not- considering it's got, but considering it's got all of that in there, you know, there's loads of room on the patch bay. It could have actually had a bit more of that, presumably. But maybe I'm making suppositions. It still sounds great. I mean, I don't deny it, but uh, I don't right. Know. And, and remember, it was presented as a cheap. Uh, a cost-effective solution at the time. Yeah, well, that's true. And, and With so, the pitch-to-voltage stuff, you can plug your guitar in and control the synth, that kind of thing. You yeah. Know, so a lot of pr- features. That was pretty good. I know, Mark Tinley, are you um, are you thrilled at the sort of more analog? I know you're not necessarily that kind of... Um, that way inclined like, so much. <coughs> I quite like the way it looks. It reminds me of a cross between a sort of a Prophet 5... And maybe something by Maplin, and then it's sort of a bit moogie as well, isn't it? Yeah, so, it's got that profit. Nice five. looking thing, it but does 995 nice. pounds. I mean, I could buy a car for that and drive it for a year until it fell apart. And <laughs> so, I, I can know. beat you. My, my last car cost 280 quid, and it's been it's still going two years later. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there is a there is a good point there, though. You could buy two mini brutes for the price of this one, couldn't you? Or well, two I somethings. Buy, I can buy. Yeah three of those new Korg things and then have uh, more than 500 pounds change. So I don't know. It's like... <laughs> or you could buy six or six eight. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But, uh, but then I wouldn't get that lovely wood. The wood, look, the actual cabinet making on it looks absolutely beautiful. And, and yeah. I appreciate a nice piece of wood. My father had a, a Dynatron record player, which was absolutely gorgeous. And I think you know maybe for a boutique kind of synth market, maybe it's that's where it's aimed. But again, like um, I can't remember if it was, was Rich or Dave said that the the demos really don't tell you anything at all, do they? They just give you a kind of a sense that it sounds a bit like quite a lot of other things. And I would want to play with it for a long time and sort of see 
what I could make it do myself and how and how you know like you know hands on related to getting to the kind of sounds that I want to make quite quickly ah yes well that that's I, I think you're absolutely right there i mean i think you know i wonder i wonder how much originality you're going to build into a sort of standard format synthesizer these days whereas alternatively you might have something kind of fairly modular i don't know is mike still there he's got an icon but i'm not sure if he's actually with us at the moment he he, he texted me to say that he's uh, the chart bt went down his bandwidth went down ah let's try him i'll see if i can get him back these um, are the synthrestore guys aren't they and they i mean they do have a very good reputation for their work Ah, okay. Well, that I mean, I, I'm sure that there will be good stuff about it as well. Ah, we seem to have. I think we got Mike back. Do we have Mike? Yeah, you still got me here. Mike is. Uh, we haven't got your video, but uh, Mike has been. Um, uh, the broadband went down at his uh, location. What are the chances of that? <laughs> An absolute nightmare. Well, we've got I've got the BT guys out on the street on the cabinet, and I've also got builders in here as well. So it's not. <laughs> it's one of those situations. I've had to move office as well, so I've had to give up the Neve. Uh, well, at the moment we're not the seeing cupboard. the video, so we, we we will just imagine the need. Um, do, what do you think? Um, new new synthesizer, monophonic synthesizer. I mean, do we? I it... I I like. I agree with Mark. I like the build. The build is beautiful. Uh, I love the wood and things like that. But, but for nine hundred and ninety-five quid, and for what you're getting for that, I think it's a very steep price, really. Um, Nah. It's hard to say what the electronics are. I mean, because I mean, the thing is, is we're so used to, you know, these things being mass produced and therefore the cost coming right down. And if you're building one off, there's just no way that you can do that kind of thing. But a hand, a hand built wooden cabinet has to account for at least half the cost of that thing, doesn't it? Um, maybe, yeah, maybe so. I would, I would have thought so. Uh, something of that kind of quality. It looks like it's, you know, really nicely made. Well, if you're chucking something, chucking something in a plastic case you've injection moulded in China, it's a very different vibe. Well, yeah, it? that is very true. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's what it's something for people that like nice things, isn't it? I mean, it's that kind of concept, really. And that's fine because a lot of people do like nice things. Um, I certainly do. I just can't afford any. <laughs> uh, Gaz has crashed too. We're, well, they're going down like flies, and I've just had a, an, e an email from Jem Godfrey who said, "Am I too late?" Uh, I think, considering the, <laughs> the, the fact that we've got six people involved, it might be a little bit uh, of a jam to try and get people on. But uh, I don't know. We'll, 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 we do wish them luck, I mean, because I think beautiful electronic musical instruments are—you know—you can't have too many of them, frankly. And uh, as Dave is a living testament to that. Uh, in, yeah. in fact. I've got a t-shirt. Oh, I haven't got it on today. I've got a t-shirt that was bought for me for Christmas. And it says you can never have too many keyboards. And they are in... Oh, I brought it down last week, didn't I? But yes, I, I saw it. And you yeah. could, I, we I, both I, knew what everything <laughs> was. <laughs> what in fact, when we looked over, um, it was almost exactly the same. There was a Rhodes with a, a Jupiter 6 on top, and I've got a, a Whirly with a Jupiter 6 yeah. on top. It, in it, almost exactly the same layout. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty sad, isn't it? But, but yeah, or, or no, not sad, but um, niche. I think we'll just say niche, shall we? And prevent ourselves from being um, too... Right, um, Gaz seems to... I don't know if Gaz is... Uh, I'll see if I can get Gaz back. Uh, maybe now the next thing that we'll do is... Uh, we'll, we'll, as we're talking about synthesizers, we should probably go to you, Dave, because you posted this rather fabulous... Um, I'm hoping I press the right button here... Um, video of your new delivery, which uh, I have to play some of. This is the... You on the dot-com modular... And it does look absolutely gorgeous. 
I'm envious of those quarter-inch jacks. Everything I've got is mini. I had to drive over to uh, to get some more to patch up my system the other day. It's it's a modular for people with failing eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> I won't play the whole thing, but there's some lo- there's some lovely strings that come in a bit later on, and uh, you did a, gr- a grand job there, Dave. So, can you perhaps if you if you speak up, we can get you in the big reveal because you're well, actually should we do the big reveal. Yeah, we should do the big reveal. Where are I you? Should- there I should go. point out that um, I'm 50 in a couple of weeks. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And so that gives you that that that's that's the only justification you need for buying a dot com modulus. Yeah, exactly. I, I've been pestering Chris for one for Yonks going, you know, it's all research and development and all the rest of it. And I think I've kind of bored him into submission where. He actually, he actually wanted to save it until my fiftieth birthday, and but we had a fight and he lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there you go. Wow! Wow! That's oh. an imposing beast right there. Wow. So the vibe with that was that we just wanted. There's this whole idea that you know, internet society and this whole generation, you know, everything is there forever. It's kind of, I don't know, the whole precept thing it was interesting hearing Jem the other week talking about kind of preset blindness with synths and I think we've probably contributed to that to a degree because in the early days our distributor would you know we'd like release a synth with a hundred presets and be quite proud and then the distributors would kind of go ah but so-and-so's got a synth with 200 and then you kind of do 300 and always trying to keep the quality up then the whole thing just escalates and it suddenly struck me going through Omnis that I probably will never get through all the presets and I know the love and care that's been taken over all of those so and I love this idea that you do once and you then dispose of so this idea that you know we create something and then it's gone so the idea behind that video was literally we'd unboxed it that morning we set it up and we I wanted to test out the sequences so I just took the sequences up to uh, the oscillators and then, you know, various filters and stuff like that, tried to sync a few things up. And then as it was kind of playing those riffs, I went, in my head, I just kind of went, Omnisphere strings. And that was, so we just recorded it and then we stripped it out. And then so it's that, right. that's it, it's gone. So uh, just give us a quick... It after. Give, yeah. Give us, sorry, Mark, go. No, I was just curious to know whether all the patching that I can see on it at the moment was the same patching from that video, but you've repatched it and done something else, have you? This, so the following night, I had Jerome over. You remember he was on with Ownforce. He's now working for Novation, and he came over because he lives locally, and he is an engineer engineer, and it was absolutely brilliant. I'm going to turn this up, actually. That's what he did. And he patched these things up, and it was things like, so I was setting in challenges saying, okay, so we've obviously got the CV and gate out of the keyboard into the various modules, but what I want to do is, let's say, I want to create a transposed to one sequencer from the other sequencer. So, of course, then he was kind of going, oh, yeah, yeah, so we do this. And what was brilliant about Jerome, because he's got that kind of engineer head, he would unplug the output so we were saving our ears, then he would make the associated connections, 
patch stuff up and go, okay, so if I'm correct, it would be this. And then you plug it in, and nine times out of ten, oh, that's it's absolutely. And I was just like, that sounds like I a, hate you. That sounds like a really good idea for some kind of uh, synthesis-based <laughs> quiz show, game show kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. He only failed once, and that was because the because when it was coming out of the, the basically the the voltage control wasn't an octave when you were playing an octave on the keyboard. Oh man! So. Me, I'd have just scratched my head for about 10 minutes, kind of thought about it, retraced my steps. And it's so easy to lose where you are at, on these things. And, but he kind of, like literally about three seconds, kind of pondered it in this brilliantly French philosophical way and kind of went, we need an amplifier. Yeah. So he took it out of there, into the amp, cranked it up to 10, and there it was, absolute magic. And that kind of made us think that all of these modules... It's really amazing testimony to how this whole modular thing's evolved because they are there to solve problems that have been created by it in the first yeah. place. <laughs> it's like a kind of yeah, never-ending meta kind of chasing its own tail. Can you just point? So what are those two cabinets at the top of the ca- uh, are the uh, sequences, right? Uh, yeah, there's two sequences here which at the minute are synced. So that one is transposing this one. And then this one over here is a. I've got. We've got that routed to the filter. So in effect, that's behaving like an LFO on the filter. Uh, so yeah. Nice. And then and then what? The the next cabinet's down are sort of oscillators and all that. These kind are of oscillators. Stuff. We've got about seven oscillators, a ton of envelope generators. But obviously the oscillators double up as LFOs oh, in the low mode oh, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I'm kind of like a. In fact, somebody said, and I will swear on this. Uh, somebody said, if you Google pig and shit, that is the picture <laughs> that comes up. Uh, <laughs> so have you actually got any work done since it arrived no and you'll notice i'm still wearing the sad clothes <laughs> in the video i've just not been home well I've i'm very i'm very envious i must admit uh, the challenge i because i've had a challenge because now i've done the review of the ms20 i've got to go through and i thought i'll just create a load of patches and intersperse them in the video like i often do with a preset machine so they're just sort of interludes and it's really interesting to, you know, right, I need to quickly make it. But they all sound the same. They all go on the MS-20. I, I've got, I need to, to get more subtle with my pattern. But, it, you know, you can get quite quick and then just rip it out and just do it. And then introducing it to the modular system as well or having two MS, because I put, hooked it up to the original MS-20 at the same time and, you know, check those sort of things out. And that, when you start doing that, it all starts to get very fun very quickly. But, uh, I, yeah, very envious. And I should be coming for a visit quite soon. Yeah, no, definitely you should. Uh, anybody's welcome. But um, our big aim is to obviously be able to hook it up. I've got the little low-behind mini sequencer there. And then we've got the ARP sequencer. So we really just want to kind of hook everything up so that it's controllable by one thing. And then what we're going to do is just kind of film a massive jam session. Yeah. And then That's post awesome. it. And then rip it apart. And so so did you now, did you order enough patch cords? Oh, Jesus, you want to see how many we got? It's tons, man, tons. Oh, I didn't know that, because I, I ran out, because I only got these little short yellow ones with the MS, and I realised if I wanted to patch it to the to the doper and everything, I'd need to get, so I drove out to a, a local shop and bought uh, 10, 10 <laughs> 50-centimetre patch cords from uh, Emis Music, which is... Uh, oh, in, I know. In, in, uh, and I'd never been there before in my life, and I, I said, I oh. can't believe I've never been here, and then we had a long chat. Lovely bro. Go upstairs, man. I, yeah, well, I will do. I'm, gonna, I'm saving myself uh, for that. Um, so if you get the chance and you're in the area, go and see... Uh, it's in Mangotsfield, uh, near Bristol. Yeah. Emis what Music. You need, what you need to do, though, as well, is if you call him first... <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> tell him you're a wizard. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, it's... If, you, if you call him first, uh, and Roy Wood, you'd like, you'd like to go upstairs, uh, you know, to see the, the collection, then you'll, you know, you need to arrange it first. Basically. Right, because he has to have someone in the shop to to man the yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's partly that, and also, you know, he's he's a little bit twitchy about people going up there, and the moment you see just the unbelievable amount. We covered it on the show, didn't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, there, somebody did a video with it um, quite recently, and uh, yeah, he just said there's always people coming here, and he said there was a bloke up there the other day with some lights and stuff. Don't know what he yeah. was doing. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. Can, um, can I just can I just let the chat room know, people who didn't know, I've been hijacked by the band members, hence my current appearance, sort of a... Uh, I'm I'm completely innocent. I started this in all good faith, and I've been, I've been. Is that clothes attacked. pegs you've got now? Uh, it seems like yeah. <laughs> None. They, they haven't applied any to other parts of your body. Just the clothing. <laughs> no, no, no clamps thanks, going on thanks, anywhere. Thankfully. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. Um, I don't know. I I, I would. You know, mod, everybody should have a modular, and this is this sort of takes back to the. You know, in some ways. Many of the synthesizers that are made now are kind of almost sort of that they're like um, lesser <laughs> lesser versions of what you can do in modulars. With modulars, you could do all sorts of stuff, anything you kind of want. Whereas you know the the, the kind of en- not endless stream, but every time another analog mono uh, mono subtractive synthesizer comes out, they rarely have anything really new and different in them. Apart, I guess the Mini Brute's probably the only one that has because it's got a Steiner Parker filter, which is in itself pretty unusual. But aside from that, is uh, I mean, do you think there's much? Have you? S- I think that Prophet Twelve might have a few extra little bits and pieces in it because I've been watching lots of the videos for the Prophet Twelve, and he's explaining some of the the, the signal path. And although it's still <laughs> a fairly a fairly linear signal path in a traditional synthesis sort of sense. He then explains that you can take anything and modulate anything with it. So it has something like a thousand modulation options. And then you, and that made me really think, well, hang on a minute. If you can start, you know, just getting the thing to feed different stuff around itself, <laughs> uh, it could, you know... That does sound, That could yeah. create some interesting kind of, you know, ways of making sounds because there'll be... There'll be things that can be patched to things that you wouldn't normally do, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, 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 it's uh, opinions are a bit split on this actually because it does sound absolutely amazing. But everybody, well, not everybody. Some people are going, "Oh, yeah, but it's got digital oscillators," and that's fine, and it has. But and Dave uh, in the video that we did explained why. He just said, "Well, I can do all sorts of really interesting things that I can't do in analog uh, cost effectively." And bear in mind, this thing's uh, three thousand bucks, but. As I was talking to Mr. Emis uh, the other day, the problem is, is you know, Dave is he, he doesn't really necessarily want to get in mass production and cranking it right up. So he's uh, he's quite happy just to serve um, the U.S. market. There are actually no U.S. distributors for uh, Dave Smith Instruments at the moment, and the Prophet Twelve, you know, is going to be it's going to be quite a big instrument. I mean, that is from what I've seen of it, it feels like the analog the, the polysynth that kind of replaces those really big ones of the 80s and 90s that everybody used to dream about you know the Jupiter 8 and all yeah. that sort of stuff this is the, a bona fide kind of uh, it comes down to character I think that's the bottom line it doesn't matter that you know there are an abundance of subtractive analog synths on the market if, it, if it's got a character that you can kind of bond with and relate to We've got this mad, I mean, we bought, a, a, there's a CS30 thing that actually we bought 
for the sequence and stuff because we're researching the whole sequence. Oh, thing. I like those. But it's just got this really beautiful character to it. And same with this little Moog, minute Moog thing. It's kind of satellite with two oscillators and sync. But it's just got this, the Art Pro DGX people go, oh yeah, but it's not as good as the Pro Soloist. It's just got this character. And Chris will relate to a completely <laughs> different synth than, than I will. Um, and what he gets out of the instrument is very different to what somebody else will get out of the instrument. Right. Actually, yeah. I could be really mean here and say no. that other people would get something decent out of it, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't no, say but that. That's, 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 that's so not true, you know. Like, he really gets the AKS, and he'll, he understands the logic. And for me, it's the architecture, it's that workflow of that synth, the idea that with the eight voice that you introduce the waveform in the filter section, and it's a very simple... It feels right. I guess it's... I don't know. I, I, I find it very hard to define, but I, I think I, that's why we're obsessive. Yeah. I have to say, though, why I've switched onto the Teenage Engineering OP1 recently, like literally last week when I was in Berlin, uh, is because of that character. It's like... I know this is a digital synth, and I'm sort of... I don't mean to hijack that side of it, but just talking about character, that thing is just so full of character, and it may be not like the most deep synth engine in a way, but... The workflow on it is amazing, and I was making I was making things on it that I've never heard before, and I thought, ah, oh, what is this like? It's cool. So yeah, that's so, exactly uh, it. The word the word you just used workflow. It's how mm. it's how you get from one end of the synth to the other end of the synth. So it is literally the path it takes, and 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 if that follows the logic that your mind follows, then it becomes a good synth for you, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I just want to come to Mike again, because I, I, keep, I keep sort of thinking that he's hung up because I haven't got a moving video of him, so I do beg your pardon, Mike. Mike, Greg, of course, I, I know you are basically a synth nut, you know, in a, in a, in a, an, in a job that's, uh, that a lot of, unfortunately allows you to presumably mess around with them. Do you, do there, is there a stock of um, synthesizers at, um, at where you are? Unfortunately, there's there's actually not a stock of synthesizers in in the real sense. Actually, all that we've got is a lot of plugins and uh, things at the moment, which is okay. But um, I've I've got a I keep <laughs> I keep talking about my virus TI two that I've got at home. I, I had various synths years and years ago. Actually, around the time when when Mark had helped me set up my studio in the nineties, and a different synth back then. Um, but I'm going to agree with the, the whole character thing because you, you find that each each one has its own unique flavour or it's got one little feature that's unique to it that can that just adds to that character. And I think as well, going back to what Mark said, one of the most important things is is how you bond with the synth and, and how, how easy it is you feel to make sounds with it. Yeah. You know, again, you've got, to, you've got to go to these instruments and... You don't want to be battling with them to get a sound. You just want to instantly interface with it and actually and, and create what you're wanting. And I think that's what's important. And I also find that a lot of synths these days, um, some of them tend to be a little bit too feature-rich, whereas going back to the basics is somewhat that's something that's really important. Well, I, I would agree. In fact, um, uh, I think uh, last time I went up to Goldfrapp's place, you know, he's got a couple of original Moog modules. I, oh, I said Moog right. Um, and just <laughs> listening to an oscillator, you know, you just go, oh, right, yeah, that's got something that I haven't heard in anything else for some time. You know, these sort of rare electronics and what have you. Um, 
but I think again, it's it, you're right. It is kind of it's down to a workflow kind of idea, and the whole thing about workflow is so personal that the synth has to have either has to have enough flexibility for you to apply your own workflow, or has to have a clear enough workflow for you to be able to work to it. And uh, I guess that's kind of a, a challenge of interface design. I mean, I wonder how many of these synths it's done with that in mind, or whether it's sort of happy accidents. <coughs> we tried really hard to take. <coughs> I, I think the word is soul. We try really hard to take an element of that and transpose it into software. But for us, I think it's a really, really hard thing to do. But it is that soul. You need that essence of that synth. You know, there were compromises on every synth when I was younger, you know, growing up and kind of working my way through them. But each of them had their own little bits of beauty. Yeah. Here, think- here. I think what is encouraging, though, is we are seeing a lot more of these hardware synths appearing on the market because there was a long time there that nothing was coming out. And, you know, there's a lot of them popping up. You know, it started with Mini Brute here and there. We've got this new one. And also we mentioned about the Prophet 8 and the Prophet 12. Yeah. Um, that's encouraging. That's encouraging to see that bridge where you're getting a you're getting that the bridge of the digital and the analog world happening again. You know, long may it continue. The base station, the new base station, have you covered that? Uh, yes, uh, in fact, uh, the base station is coming here on Friday for uh, an outing with an engineer, and we're going to get uh, to a bit of uh, in-depth access to it. Just, just following on from what Mike was saying. Sorry, I was interrupting there, but just because that, 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 that's the same thing, isn't it, Mike? The base station coming out now, you know, that, that, that's a good example of something that was out and then went extinct and kind of come back in again. You can sort of see the trend kind of curve with that device itself, really. Absolutely, know, absolutely. Especially the, on the, I think it's the Focusrite Innovations YouTube channel, they've got a fantastic video showing you the 21 years taking you from the base station yeah. keyboard to the drum station rack, the base station rack, supernova, all the way up, and then doing that full 360, like you said, they're coming right back again. And then your base station, you've got the base station 2 keyboard. And I, I, think, that's, I think that's quite an exciting sort of... Well, I've got to say, I mean, when we were playing in Japan, we were playing with a British band called uh, Darkstar, who were signed to Warp. And... These guys are kind of, I would say, mid-twenties. No computers on stage. A real sort of... And I've seen this now a lot with young bands. This whole idea. So there is a real, real rebellion against computers on stage now with uh, with the young bands that are coming up. And like in in that Dark Styles case, everything was kind of played live as well. The drummer played the MPC, you know, sort of hitting the rhythms in, in real time. But uh, but but just how that is a, is an element that connects with um, with this kind of increase in you know hands on so real yeah 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 and, and of course you know who would who would really disagree with this this is a, this is yeah great, I, great I may, maybe this is actually you know it's less about analog as in analog electronics and more about analog as in you know hands on interface you know and it's more you know in the same yeah. way that we've got vinyl coming up we've got people just wanting yeah. to play stuff and do uh, things you know as an I mean, opportunity that's a, it's a very good point as well because a lot of these guys they're really into their digital effects they really love their bit crushers and all that kind of stuff you know so it's so so really to take a kind of purist analog uh it, it, it actually isn't, 
they wouldn't mind what it is if it just was not a computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I think what's happening there is you're seeing a rise of people beginning to perform again. Rather, than... I, know, I know why this is. This is because human beings set themselves impossible goals. So we set ourselves goals and we say, this is a problem and it needs to be solved. And the problem that needed to be solved in the 1970s stroke 1980s was how can everybody play perfectly in time and perfectly in tune? And like some years ago, we've achieved that. So if we go into a studio now, I can take anybody in a studio, I can put them perfectly in time, perfectly in tune, and that becomes very metric. So we're like talking about totally, completely quantized in all directions, absolutely on the grid in all directions. And now the goal has to change because once the goal's been achieved, once a human being achieves a goal, they've got to set a new one and go off in a different direction. So the game now is like, let's make this sound more real. Let's put emotion back into music. Let's get people playing real instruments and playing off the beat and pushing the beat and bending people's emotions around so that they feel it in the gut. And that's <clears> where it's going next, I think. Ah, no, that's an interesting right? point. Very interesting well, I mean, point. I've said this a few times, and I will continue to say it, you know, dynamics, dynamics for, you know, dynamics isn't just up and down, it's forward and backwards as well. And, you know, the grid has just killed, effectively killed a particular dynamic. Dynamics has only been an up and down thing, you know. And as a musician, instinctively, you will lean into things, you will pull back. If you play the piano or the guitar, you will do these things, you know. And then, and then we're forced to have to work with people and take away that that element that expression you know and it's such a vital musical expression so mm. you know well it seems it seems to me the art of engineering or producing recent you know in recent years since we've been in the sort of digital domain and quantizing in every axis has been to retain where required an element of that and i'm guessing rich that's probably something that inhabits your world a lot more because you're working with musicians who can really play their stuff and with a producer who has the experience of knowing about these little sort of changes and what have you so i mean i guess for you it's probably not really changed all that much it's just enabled you to to do things more quickly where needs be right yeah it's definitely enabled me to do things more quickly Good. <laughs> um, I, uh, let me see. Uh, I, I'm not as horrified by the prospect of gridding things or moving things around or messing with the original flow or any of that. I'm not horrified by any of this. So uh, I don't share the, the angst, the grief, the worry, the, the dogma about it. But, uh, yeah, it's made things a lot easier and faster. May, may, I, mean, I, don't, may, I don't think the American charts reflect that. <clears throat> totally gridded, totally tuned, totally plastic sound that's really popular in England at the moment. Everything just sounds like it's been made, I don't know, by robots almost. It's just so plastic music at the moment. Well, that, that brings me to an interesting point. I went to last week, the reason that we did the show on Tuesday was because I was... Uh very kindly given tickets to go and see One Direction, uh, who are the kind of probably the biggest boy pop band in the world at the moment. I went to see them at uh, Birmingham uh, LG Arena, 14,000 screaming girls. Let me see if I can uh, give you a taste of what it was like. No! I do actually have the sound. It's astonishing that I've never heard anything quite so loud as this. I have to put the bones inside my ears were vibrating 
And I've wow. never I've never experienced anything as loud as that in my entire life. Uh, it was wow. really I mean, the PA sounded great and they had a band playing. You know, they were actually the the band themselves, you know, they're just five singers thrown together for a pop group and all they could really do is lope around stage taking lines and attempting to kind of put some sort of semblance of structure to it. But really they were, but the band were really hot. It was like just a simple four-piece band and they were mostly live. There was a little bit of support here and there, but it was a live gig. And that was the thing that was quite interesting. Uh, even though they didn't really do very much with that liveness, um, there was lots of lights and what have you. But so, you know, even for them, the, the, certainly the live production was simple, pared down, just play it. I'm sure there was sort of backing vocal support in there from time to time. And I don't know how much was it was, must have been to time code because of presumably the light show and everything else had to be kind of perfectly timed and all that sort of thing. But I must admit that was, um, it was an eye-opening uh, experience going to a gig where you sit you, effectively when i came out i felt processed because the number of people that you can get in past the merchandising fed uh watch the gig back out again with no accidents and no kind of uh, um, difficulties or no fainting or whatever seemed to be the order that everybody was really lovely and everybody was really helpful and you know it, there, there was no sort of i didn't feel like like cattle but it was, it was a really peculiar experience. I, it was like a kind of dystopian uh, kind of vision of the future when everything becomes one single brand. There is no choice. This is what they were like. You know, the 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 the, the, uh, the band were kind of the production was amazing. You know, it was all kind of top of the line. You know, everything. And then you go in and there's food and there's all these different choices. But in fact, there was no choice. They were just windows on the same kitchen with a different label over the top of it. And you sort of come out feeling like, I think I had choice, but actually I had no choice at all. It was all run by the same company. You know, it all felt very, um, uh, yeah, sterile, as HT says, but a, a fascinating experience. And, you know, they can certainly sing. I could hear that. And they can certainly, but they, there just wasn't much else for them to do. But it was a live band, which was kind of cool. Did you fancy him at all? Me? Um, no, one of them I thought would probably be quite a laugh. <laughs> um, not just to sort of hang out with or see what they were, because they must be out. I mean, you know, these kids are like 19. They are the biggest band in the world. They're, they're, the only thing that I found was really disturbing is when they go out on stage and they're all sort of, you know, they look fantastic and they're all posturing and doing this thing. But essentially what they're faced with is 14,000 underage girls which is probably not why they got into music. They're probably hoping, aiming higher, you know, the, the sort of, the whole idea of them being able to kind of like pull and, you know, be popular amongst women or whatever, you know, part of that was missing. And you could sort of see the disappointment on their face when they realised that actually their entire <laughs> audience were just little kids, you know, who've bought into the whole thing, which is the way, and I'd never really seen that in um, in the flesh before, that whole kind of, that whole real pop phenomena, where the average age was probably nine, ten, eleven, you know, of the audience. I thought you were a way to say I haven't seen that in the flesh. That real disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't seen that. But it was it was a fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And you know, I can't. But honestly, that that screaming was the loudest noise I've ever heard. My right. bo- my ear bones were kind of. I just thought I'm actually going to be damaged by this. I mean, God knows what my nine year old daughter's ears. Yeah. it was really been- really way up the frequency range as well because none of the voices have broken yet have they so they'll be all up and <laughs> yeah up it was it, uh, well the other thing that was really bizarre is i was sitting there i i had i happened to have my earbuds with me and i just put them in because i just thought anything to dampen some of this sound and i looked at the guy doing the mix and he didn't have any headphones on or anything and i just thought after 10 minutes of this i can't hear anything above 
1K, you know? So God knows what his, what he was doing. I have no idea. But yeah, uh, um, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I, and I had intended to sort of play, amusingly play blasts of uh, One Direction screaming children audience into the, into the show at times, but uh, it's, uh, I think once is it. enough. Drop it down a couple of octaves and time stretch here and just see what absolute horrific, monstrous noises you can make from it. I've, yeah, I don't know, because there are all sorts of noises, aren't there? We've done the uh, white, pink, brown, purple. I wonder what sort of noise that is. I wonder what it could be described as. I'm not sure. I, Yeah, probably best not to uh, theorise on that. I could only come up with things there. that were insuita- unsuitable. Oh no! I mean, Rich, when when I said I was doing it, you was. I remember you said, "Oh yeah, well, these are the things you kind of, you know, you go through for your kids." I mean, have you experienced that kind of like absolute, you know, teen pop screaming thousands and thousands before? I mean, because that was first for me, and it was quite, quite shocking. In uh, a way. To, some, to some extent, probably not quite as large, but yes, to some extent. Yeah. I went to some Disney events when my kids were younger. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I can imagine there'd be a similar thing, but perhaps not. I don't know if they'd be on the same sort of scale. I'm not That's sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, they're doing an arena tour. What was funny is I was sat there and I was looking at the uh, the, the front desk and I saw this guy and I thought, God, he looks familiar. And I, I finally, uh, I looked up in the in the, uh, in the program and I saw the name of the guy I thought it was. So I just went over and I said, Dave, <laughs> what are you doing here? And this guy, Dave Conroy, um, used to tour manage Van Morrison. So... He's gone from from the oldest guy in the, the oldest curmudgeonly guy in the in the business, famously so. You know, I don't think there's any doubt there. To the and he just said, "Yeah, it's amazing." He said, "The first time that wall of noise hit me, though, it was a real shocker." And don't forget, I've got sixty more dates like this, and oh. uh, I was like, "Wow, yeah, that's." But he said it's a real blast. You know, he's you know he's having a great time, and why ever not? Anyway, I'm guessing uh, after that, uh, it's probably time to uh, call it uh, King Sonny, as it were. I want to say thank you very, very much to my guests. I, I hope I've managed to get you all in uh, from time to time. Oh, guys, your bandwidth has increased enormously. You've looked, oh. well, We can see you in your full glory now. I can see your lipstick, your makeup, your pegs. You're looking great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. So we'll, so, well, 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 why don't we start with you? Say thank you very much for joining us, Gaz. Uh, Gaz, oh, and there's a lovely bit of flowering coming in. And, and to your bandmates, uh, Ange and, uh, um, was it Pete, Chris? Peter, Peter Chilvers. Peter Chilvers. Uh, yeah, and Carl, of course. For so, keeping uh, themselves entertained. Uh, we're playing, yeah, playing tomorrow in London, if anyone's around, in the Union Chapel in Islington. It's going to be an amazing gig. So, oh, that okay. sounds fantastic. I wish I could get yeah. up there. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And, uh, it's a pleasure. And it's always good to have you aboard. So uh, oh. I hope uh, none of that stuff is uh, oh, indelible. Can, there is one thing. Is the Volker then? I've, I've heard that the Volker can actually play like three-voice polyphonic. Yes, one of them can. The Volker keys can. Keys. Does that... Does that get me off my... Um... Yes, I think it does. You were one was, show I, out. I was one show out. <laughs> yeah, but I think it means you don't have to eat a monotron. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Okay. I heard you seriously contemplating yeah. really eating this. I'd just like to point this I, out. I, I had this conversation with Gaz saying, how could I eat it? And I'm like, Gaz, you can't eat that. It'll kill you. I've tried eating a bit of it. I've eaten a bit of it. Um, <laughs> Which bit? I, did, I had a little, a little bit of a clip of the, the, the battery clip bit. I sort of just gnawed that bit off. Um, I, well, I that's was, good enough for me. That oh, no, brings no. a whole new meaning to the idea of a Nord keyboard, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> yes. High five. High five, Mark. Very good. Absolutely genius. <laughs> oh, I don't eat the time in. 
Absolutely yeah. perfect. Well, Gaz, yeah. uh, you're off the hook, so you know. So I'm glad to. Anyway, thanks for joining us, and uh, that was uh, Gaz Williams, Gaz Goldstein. And we'll say goodbye to uh, Dave Spears over there, but with his massive yeah. .com synthesizer behind him. Thank you. Great fun. Uh, yeah, and uh, no, great. And uh, thanks for joining us and giving us a bit of a tour and letting us. Uh, I'm going to get up. There. I, I'm going to have to come up there and just do some stuff. I really want to get my hands on one of those. I'll play you out if you want. Oh, well, I'll say goodbye to everybody else. But yeah, if you yeah. get something ready, then we'll do that. And also, Rich Hilton there in Connecticut. Thank you very much for joining us, Rich. Always a pleasure to have you. Oh, what's that? That's a tiny. Mass- it's my massive rig. Your, yeah, it's your new master keyboard. Yeah, it's my massive rig. Like you were complimenting What's Dave that? on the size of his massive rig. <laughs> Hold mine up for comparison. Has it got CV out? <laughs> no, it's got USB. Glorious USB. Oh, excellent. Well, Rich, I believe it's two point Nice. Oh. Nice work. Anyway, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. I hope you have a. a, a a fabulous day in the studio. As I said, waxing hottie or whatever it is you might be waxing. Yep. Or whoever it is I might be waxing. <laughs> There's a sideline there. Uh, anyway, thank you very much. And also we'll say, uh, have I said, no, I have goodbye to Mark Tinley, um, likebeing.com. And uh, thanks for those extra topics this week. Uh, uh, Lifesaver, because frankly, news was very slow. Fortunately, we had a panel that was able to fill the space. Thank <laughs> you, Mark. You're very welcome. Cheers, I mate. Waffle. And uh, we'll also say thank you to um, Mike Grieg, uh, who is uh, still uh, just a, a mere shadow of his former self as purely a scuba diving icon. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that was brilliant. I just wanted to say a couple of things, really, just before I disappear. Um, just for any of the, the audience out there, if anybody's in the London area, I've just popped a little link in the chat box. We're doing a, a mix and creative mix and master class in that Neve studio uh, next Tuesday night. And what we're doing is allowing people to upload their tracks to our SoundCloud site. Uh, we'll pick one of the tracks and we'll make that the topic of the class and, and mix it using the Neve. So if anybody's interested, free master class, cool. come down that and uh, check it out. The, the link is there. I hope I've left it there long enough for people to uh, be able to see. Okay. Can I plug one more thing? Just yes, one of course thing. you can. I promised somebody I'd plug it. It's John, our engineer, the Imposca 2 uh, engineer. He has got a gig at the 100 Club tonight in Oxford Street. The so 100 Club? Ah, oh, that's a blast from the past. Which is legendary, and it's all for charity. I think it's Teenage Cancer Trust. So uh, if anybody's in the area, go down, accost him afterwards, say I sent him, and then I'll be off the hook. Ah, okay. Well, there you go. 100 Club. Tar- and also, I wanted to say thank you very much to CR78 for continuing to shower us with gifts. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play this because I don't have any vinyl, but I'm sure I'll be able to get This is Pills by Post. Um, this is uh, one of the gifts that... Uh, Mr. CR78 sent over, th- and also a number of other prints. So thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And, uh, oh, Mark's got something there as well. What's that? Oh, no, he hasn't. Oh, no, no I have. I was yeah. just holding something up. What are you holding up there, Mark? No, I was, I was just removing it because this is, a, this is a massive, massive, great big 41-inch condom. Look. <laughs> wow. Your, your wife is a very lucky woman. Or yes, or not. It's for my it's for my leg and not for my um, Oh, so you can go swimming, right? So you can go in the shower. Uh, I can go in the bath in a minute. 
minute. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, I've seen that before today, and I'm really seriously. <laughs> as soon as this podcast is done, I'm underwater. Thanks very much, everybody. Uh, once again, that was Sonic Talk number three hundred and ten. And also, thank you once again to Isotope for their sponsorship of the show. Remember, if you want to get a free ten le- ten day demo of Isotope RX, the uh, amazing sound restoration and. F- you know, fix it for almost any audio isotope.com forward slash rx that was sonic talk number 210 thanks for watching you turned it off didn't you oh, well you'll all have to listen now <laughs> Oh, bad is that timing?